I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to Club Deck Corner Extra here on Club Act 22, the Rangers podcast. A new bite-sized show for the podcast that uh, we'll bring from time to time, where I'll welcome on regular podders as well as some special guests to discuss pretty much all things Rangers. So tonight's topic is tactics, and more specifically what approach we might see under new manager Philip Clement. I'm Scott Carney and I'm delighted to be joined by Hart and Hand's tactical guru, can I call you that? Uh, oh, hey, please, please don't, please don't, but uh, you can <laughs> Adam, if you want going? to. Uh, not bad, Scott, cheers. Yeah, no, it's good to have you on, mate. Well, put it this way, I'm a very layman's football guy, so you'll probably say some stuff tonight that I'll nod and agree with, you, but <laughs> I'll probably have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought you'd be the best insight if anyone, mate, because obviously I'm, I'm a patron to heart and hand. And uh, I've obviously I know how much research and stuff that you do in terms of yep. tactical stuff, scouting stuff, things like that. So I thought you'd be the kind of perfect guy to try and really kind of give us an idea of what you think we might expect under um, under Clement. So just before we get into it, mate, what's your initial thoughts on the appointment? Were you excited by it? Were you kind of, I've seen a lot of people saying they were kind of removed from this managerial um, appointment because we've done it so many times in the past few years. So where did you stand on it? So it's funny, I, I probably went through all of that. Um, I, I think I when um when Michael Boo got sacked, I was kind of of the opinion that it might be time to maybe take a wee pause and get some kind of experienced caretaker in, whether that was short term, as in up to Christmas or maybe a bit longer term, just to try and I guess take stock um and understand what we want to do as a club. We do we want a sporting director, we're bringing in um some more data led scouting uh stuff apparently. So maybe just taking stock there and having a bit of a breath. Um, I guess the downside of that is you're effectively um, not necessarily writing off 
um, the next couple of months because hopefully you would get an experienced caretaker in, but you're kind of putting a pause on things, aren't you, on the pitch, um, which maybe wouldn't be palatable to, to some. So that's kind of where I was thinking. Um, then when it sort of became clear that it was going to be a new manager right away, I was a little bit um, like that kind of removed because I was thinking, well, just bringing in a new manager isn't really going to solve this. We'll, hope we'll make the same, we might make the same mistakes again as we have done with Michael Beale, with Van Bronckhorst, and they only get six, seven months before the knives are out um, in some quarters because of poor performances and poor signings. So I was keen that we didn't really go through that cycle again, Scott. Um, however, we, we have. Um, but we managed <laughs> in before everyone else. However, the noises in the background about, like I said, whatever these improvements are to the scouting teams, etc., and and bringing in a, a sporting director imminently, or maybe in weeks, or maybe in months. We're not quite, sure, we're not quite sure. Um, it is positive, and to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised by the level of candidate that was interested. So when, when that started to come out, I think we always knew Kevin Musket would be inter- would be um linked with it. Um, given I think it, there was rumours a couple of weeks ago, wasn't there? A couple of months ago, um. But then seeing like Philippe Clement and maybe guys like Oliver Glasner and, and um Pascal Jansen and a couple of others thinking, all right, fair enough. Um this sounds quite intriguing. Um and then when it became clear it was Philippe Clement, he's the, he's a sensible appointment. And I always need to caveat that because I thought Van Bronckhorst was a sensible appointment and for whatever reasons that never quite materialized. So I'm not saying they're going to be similar, but it, it kind of stacks up. They've won titles as a player, as a coach, they've, they've coached in, in different uh, environments, etc. They've had some, they've had serious success, so it, it does kind of back up on that sense. Um, it's the sensible appointment, I think, is where I'm at with it, and I'm starting to get excited about it now. Um, I don't like to take, again, probably been burned in the past. I don't like to take too much from from the press conferences because we've had the highs of Gerard to the kind of quieter Van Bronckhorst, and then uh, too much information with, with Michael Beale. So I'm, I'm keen not to. Um, take too much from them but I think just in terms of how he, he came across not necessarily specific words that he said but how he came across he seemed quite chilled quite confident quite calm he didn't look like he would sort of suffer fools gladly um, he had a couple of intense intense stares in the in the, the blue room as well which I quite like so as a man and I think as a as a career he's had so far I think he's done quite well and, and he's a very very sensible appointment and like I said I, I was quite surprised probably that that level of appointment would be available at this time of the year because you know it's it's only a few months into the the um a few months into the the window um or a few months past the transfer window I should say and, and obviously the best managers are going to be in in jobs at the moment. Yeah, I don't think it's. But I'm 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 the same. I I was excited about Geo. I was excited about Bill. Even I did. Even though there was a wee niggling bit in the back of my head going with Bill. Is this really the right thing to be doing? Is he really experienced enough to manage a job of this magnitude in order to be the Rangers manager? And ultimately, he, he wasn't. But um, we come on. I'm the same. I'm more. I, I everybody can speak a good game, and we've had. Pedro, for example, that did a cracking interview to get the job, but that flopped on its flopped on its arse. But that's not the way I see Clement at all. Clement's very much a 
a guy looking to bounce his career back due to the kind of disappointment that he had with Monaco. He could have went elsewhere. He could have got yeah. a lot more money going elsewhere than what he is on here. I've said it before, and I'm pretty sure he's on a pretty package here, no doubt about it, but he had Saudi Arabia interested. So for the reasons that he's decided to come here and as he sees us as a project, in inverted commas, I'm excited about that. I like the thought of that. I like it's been a while since someone's looked at us at a project, not just trying to continue on what has maybe been done by... Gerard or whatever, whatever we reach stuck in a peak under the current current squad. So yeah, this is this is going to be your part of the show, mate, because you're you're very much more in depth knowledge of tactical pronesses of um, managers than what I am. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm I'm very Mike, you know, Mike Bassett, England manager. I just want four four to. We might see a four four two actually, so I could just say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was something I was going to come on to, but I was now. I, I was shouting about that on W as well because I was like, "Just play four four two. Just do something. <laughs> do something that I can understand what you're doing." But anyway, before we go on to what you think he's going to do with us, in terms of, I know we always speak about um, all we have to do is win games, get players scoring goals. But what's the key areas within the pitch with with, with these? The squad that he has just now at his disposable, what do you think the key areas are for him to work on or what do you think he'll, he'll start with first? I think um, everywhere except goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, yeah, uh, I know, mate, I know. For me, and I'll come on to this, for me, the attacking intent has to be um, ramped up quite considerably. Um, we need to be creating better quality chances. We, we create a lot of chances, but it's balls into the box and scrambles and we score goals or we create chances and we score goals through kind of sheer sheer will sometimes, which is great, but you kind of can't rely on that. So for me, it's that it's probably that front front three, front four, depending on on what we do. Um, there that I think needs the most work. There's no obvious candidates, really, um, in terms of nailed on first picks. You maybe think Seema, um Unlikely that he'll lose his spot, particularly given injuries and how how much form he's been. But where is he going to play? Um, he could technically play in any of those four roles: off the left, off the right, one of the front two, maybe in behind as well. So there's there's a lot of players there that can play a number of different roles. You've got Cantwell as well; can probably play a couple of them. Danilo, um, two. Those would be the three that I'm kind of looking for. I think to to sort of start to build something with, um, in that front three. So I think that will be the priority, um. And it'll be interesting, I guess, because everything else comes in. It's a jigsaw puzzle as far as I'm concerned, um, piecing things together. Everything comes into comes into focus. If you get the attack right, then you figure out, right, well, if, if the attackers are, the wide, if the wide players are creating chances and getting to the byline, we don't need our fullbacks to be swinging balls into the box. So we can change how they play. Um, if we're getting more, um, more space centrally, then the midfielders can jump up and support the attack in that way. So it's kind of just moving things about. If he nails the attack... Um, I think it's more than half the battle, to be honest. So I think that'll be the big thing for me, is maybe not deciding whether it's a front two or a, or a front four or a four, two, three, one, but but just having the three or four players up there, consistent key roles that they can roam about and they can change and they can interchange and getting a bit of consistency and selection up there, which hasn't been the case for 18 months or so, probably now with injuries and, and players leaving, etc. So I think that's the, the key thing, is understanding how he wants to, score goals basically and what are the players that are going to be best suited to, to help him do that yeah and I think it's important for him to give player players roles I think under Bale it was a bit 
we didn't really, I don't think players were even 100% sure of what kind of their exact role within the squad was going to be. And obviously, you've got players like Dessers who looks pretty much out in the cold in terms of all, all Rangers supporters' feelings on him. But maybe if he's maybe if he's what the roar did the chance under um, Clement to be like, no, this is your role, this is what I want you to do, this is the area of the pitch that you need to be in at all times. Yeah. I mean, you never know, as I say, because he is saying it's a clear slate, there could be chances for players. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The Dessers thing's a, a good example. It kind of fascinated me in the summer when people were saying, yeah, well, let's let's cho- let's get Cholak out or, or, or uh, let's cho- we're fine if Cholak leaves. Um, and then we're bringing in Dessers and I was thinking in the summer, he's not that much different really in terms of like profile and, and, and that Cholak's a better finisher probably. I think that, that was kind of obvious from, from, from the get-go, but it was more about for me, and this is something I think Clement, Clement will do. If you've got a finisher like Cholak, I'm not saying you build a team around them, but you need to give them a chance. You need to get players mm-hmm. up there in support of them. You need to be supplying them with the right kind of balls. And maybe that'll be the same with Dessers. I'm not going to sit here and say Dessers is born in Belgium and the manager's Belgium, therefore it's going to be an absolute perfect storm. But I do believe most Rangers strikers, if you can get chances to them in the box, um, they're going to score goals. Whether it's enough goals, um, whether it's going to be enough to, to turn things around, I'm not suggesting he's going to get 30 goals this season or whatever, <laughs> but I don't think it's out with the realms of possibility that if we can make some tweaks to the system, then some players that, that maybe haven't been doing as well will we'll see a bit of an uptick there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm for one that wrote, wrote Dessers off. I did, I mean, even after the Aberdeen game and all that, I remember having the conversation in the pod after it going, I don't understand the guy, but with a new manager brings new optimism, brings a, a new fresh look at things. And I'm all for, I'm, I always say it all the time, people say, oh, you were criticising such and such last game and now you're praising them. And I'm like, well, I'm allowed to change my mind on what I think about players. I want I. I want Rangers players to prove me wrong. If I'm saying yeah. I don't think he's very good and he turns out to be brilliant, I'll be like, right, well, that's fine. That's the thing that gets me all the time. You <laughs> you said this player was rubbish three years ago and here you are praising them. Is it because yeah. they did well or, or, or things <laughs> or things changed? I and, like, I, that whole you need to set your opinion and, and uh, just ride it is not one not one for me. So yeah, Dessers, I, I thought when he came in, I thought he would score goals. Um, I expected, I expected his all-round play to be a bit better than it was. There was all the chat about getting up to speed from an injury, etc. And then there was a wee spell. Um, what games was it? Well, the PSV game, I thought he was he was quite good. He played that nice ball in for, for Matondo. There was maybe another game after that where I, I thought you could kind of see improvement, like rather than, than going back the way and then just... All of a sudden, um, it, it just there was like a off. cliff. He just got a cliff and he just disappeared. Just <laughs> fell, off a, fell off a cliff again. But I, I do think the the, the managerial, uh, the team selection etc. Never did anyone any favors. That that yeah. spell in the middle against Celtic against PSV when Danilo never played um, or never started like five or six games in a row um, for no reason. Like you said, that that sort of mishmash under Bailey clearly bought in my mind. He clearly bought players to play. Um, a kind of midfield diamond, if you like, with two strikers up front. Nobody will convince me that he didn't buy Dessers and Danilo to play together because we're just not spending that amount of money um, on two strikers um, if they're not going to play together. So to my mind, it was Dessers and Danilo playing up front. I said in the summer, if if Lammers is coming in to play number 10, I don't really agree with it because Cantwell was fantastic in that role um, yep. towards the end of the season. So I'm not sure why we're spending that money. Um but it would have been Lammers in the 10, I think, that he wanted to go with. And then it would have been kind of Cantwell, Raskin, Jack, Sifuentes, three out of the four behind them. Um, but for whatever reason, Scott, I think there was two two games, Dessers and Danilo and Lammers played together. 
Um, mm-hmm. We started together. It was um, Servette and I want to say Livingston in the league, two games in a row. And we won. We were pretty good against Livingston and we were decent against Servette. Um, and then he just canned it. And like just for no reason. So I'm sitting there thinking, we've made a big deal of I've scouted all these players, I've I've spoke to them all individually. The players are all saying, yeah, we've we've spoken individually, we've been given a role, it's been so clear what I'm getting, and I'm thinking, how does that work then? Because <laughs> four games into the season and, and your top your front two, you're not playing them together now. You then change and Matondo was out the European squad and was half out the door. Scott Wright was out the door three times to Turkey back and then we're we're playing wingers again. And it wasn't even as if it was right after a bad result or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. the commandment game was was awful, and it was a terrible result. But he still sort of played that system for the next couple. And we weren't we got worse than 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 at that stage. So I'll never understand why he tweaked it. And then you're right; it just becomes a bit of a mess. We had Cantwell covering fullbacks, we had Sifuentes covering fullbacks. Um, we had, like I said, Matondo playing on the left or playing on the right. We had Scott Wright playing as a central midfielder um, <laughs> against uh, against Motherwell, which. There's no. This is the thing. What we need, I guess, we need to give a bit of um, a bit of context. Some of that was really, really confusing, and we're judging players based on them having to do some of those things. Um, so I'm not. Again, I'm not going to say that if Scott Wright plays right wing, he's going to be fantastic because we've seen that he's he's very, very inconsistent. But sometimes we need to take a step back and sort of say, well, we said he had he a rubbish game, and he did. How many times has he played central midfield in his in his life? Like it's just a different thing. So. That's what I think a new manager coming in, if they give a sort of clarity and they give a structure to players and say, you're playing this specific role, you'll always play this specific role um, unless something happens. And they can just sort of go and, and train that way and understand it and link in with the, the fullback if they're playing wide or the central midfielder, they know who their partners are going to be. Um, and they can sort of just start to get to grips with it and give them the best chance of success. So that's, I guess, what I'm hoping for without talking about really tactical um breakthroughs or or improving mentality or scoring better goals etc just being a bit clearer and consistent with the players to give them at least half a chance I think would be good Absolutely, I'll never forget when we Scott Wright lined up that day, mate, and I sat in the club deck and he was closer to, he was like close to me you know, like in terms of being on that side of the pitch and I was going why is why is Matondo over there? What is going What is going on? And I remember the boys that are sitting next to me, they're kind of nudging me, and they always wind me up and stuff because I'm like, I'm I am baffled. <laughs> like I am truly baffled. What I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it at all. And, then, and of course, and then, of course, he had a shocking game. What are you expecting? And then half an hour in, one 0 up, and he takes Matondo off and puts John Suter on, and I, I was. <laughs> What? I was yeah, like, I, yeah. I kind of understand. Fair enough, you went to a back three. I don't really understand why. Context of everything, we should be going and we need to go and beat this team yeah. by, by a good couple of goals, etc. Um, injuries starting to bite, etc. But who knows? Um, that's the things that just become very, very difficult to, to decipher. And it's almost like if it's that sort of chaotic, then some of the players won't really be able to deal with that very well. Players are just like us. Like the, Some of them will want lots and lots of structure. Some of them will want lots of freedom. Some of them, like Cantwell, just want to roam about and see where they can find find yeah. space. Maybe someone like, um, I don't know, Cifuentes needs to play a bit more of a, a disciplined role or, or a bit more of a specific role. Um, they're all different, and I think we, we only have 20 25% of the context of what goes on in the training pitch, what conversations the players have, who's, who's fit, who's in the right shape mentally, all that sort of stuff. So we can only sort of judge what we see on the pitch. And, and I guess what we've seen towards the end was, was a bit chaotic, eh? 
Yeah, I just made a joke as well that they just had a tactics board. They had a handful of magnets in his hand and he just went like that to the board. And just whatever it was, we went, we'll just go with that. I somebody, don't see Clem- Somebody's behind the board with another magnet. I don't see Clement doing that. I really don't. I think that there's going to be a much more structured thing to it. And that's really just based on we bits that I've looked into the jobs he's had in the past and what I think he is as a person so far. So on, on that, mate, his tactics before and maybe what you would you would think you would like to implement now. Now successful under successful in Belgium, not very successful with Monaco. Was there much change between what he was doing in Belgium to what he was doing in Monaco? A little bit. Um no not not successful in Monaco, absolutely in terms of um qualifying for the Champions League after he had like he got into the qualify qualify qualifiers of the Champions League by finishing third in the first six months but then they lost to PSV I'm sure it was it was the, the year we beat PSV they lost That's to right. them the year before um and there was maybe a little bit of a habit there of, of sort of losing some big games um but that second season we've had a few people on uh heart and hand talking about it and we've heard Different reports, some sort of saying wasn't that great, didn't really manage things very well, changed things about, um, to others saying a little bit unlucky, they went on, on a bad run. One of the consensuses seems to be if they go on a bit of a bad run, they sort of struggle to turn it around, um, which might be a little bit worrying, but um, we can't compare. That's This is the thing. We, we get we get experts on heart and hand to come and give us a give us a conversation about things, and they sort of don't they don't know the context of Rangers. They don't know what we're trying to do here. They don't understand how difficult the or how different I should say the challenge is here. So um, we've tried. I've tried to keep an open mind, and I've tried to say, okay, he's done well in Belgium. To me, Belgium sort of scans as being relevant to to Scotland um, a little bit in terms of playing for one of the most dominant teams. Um, in the league, Belgian teams are still not going to sit sit back as deep as, as some of the Scottish teams do, but we'll see. That seems relevant. And at Monaco, it seems like it was a bit of a chaotic time. Anyway, there um, behind the scenes, lots of players leaving, um, going for big money to to Madrid and, and what have you. So he's had to sort of deal with some of that um, in there. I guess Monaco are always a bit chaotic. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyway, yeah. um, so I don't know if I would judge it as being a disaster or, or anything like that, but he didn't get them what I think they, they expect the minimum is and that's to probably finish in the top three. He didn't get that for them in that last season there. However, again, for context, it was maybe like four points away or something. So a couple of a couple of change results at the end and they'd probably have been like, yeah, it was, it was good, it was all right. So um, these are the fine margins we're dealing with. But again, as I've said a few times before, Van Bronckhorst was two, two penalties away from being immortal. So um, you can't really... Um, I think we do need to look at that that detail and the context underneath and just understand exactly what he's what he's doing. So for me, I think he has changed a little bit. People will probably get a bit um a bit of PTSD when I say it's it's similar, um, I guess, to some of Gio and some of Bill, but I just mean in terms of where the players like the formations that they play and things. So he's played a four three three, he's played a kind of four two three one, he has played four four two at points at Monaco and he's used a back three at times. So We've done that, really, over the last couple of years. We've done that at various stages. So that's what I mean when I say it's similar. He's not going to turn up with, like, a 3-4-3, for example, and that's all he's going to play, or a 3-5-2. He has changed things about a little bit. Um, I guess the key is when he changes that about and how he gets the players working within that. So um, what I know so far, just from listening and, and watching watching a fair bit, what I know so far is he um, favours, I guess, differences on flanks. Um, so on the left, you might have um, a sort of rampaging fullback with maybe like an inside forward or, or a um, like a Cantwell or a Lawrence coming off the left and cutting inside and someone going on the overlap. Um, and on the right-hand side, it's maybe a little bit more traditional with a, a right-back and then maybe a right-winger um, on that side. Uh, in terms of the the midfield too, um, again, it's kind of similar to what we've seen and I don't mean specific, I don't mean players, I just mean in terms of, of the roles. He probably doesn't have like a sort of playmaker, if you like, sitting at the base and sort of dictating play in the way that we might have had with Stephen Davis. It's more similar to what we've got now with maybe a, a Raskin and a Jack figure playing together. Um, that's how he's played before. Um, and then moving up front, um, I think we've seen quite a lot of variation there. He has played a two. He's played uh, Brie Lembolo and, and Wissam Banyedera with Sam Ben Yedder at Monaco, kind of as two number nines, maybe with one dropping a little bit deeper. So again, you can see guys like Danilo, Dessers, Roof, Sima. Um, you could see them as a partnership up there. Um, but as I mentioned, at some points, he's had a winger and maybe like an inside forward uh, on the other side um, and then a number 10 as well. So it, it, that's what I mean when I say it is a little bit flexible and it does vary. Um, one of the interesting things that, that kind of came out from, I can't remember which, uh, which person it was on on Heart and Hand, or which which journalist it was, but he, he said he, he does adapt a bit, and I know that was that's been a criticism of Van Bronckhorst and and Beal. I guess a positive with Van Bronckhorst as well when we adapted during the Europa run to each team and we we played things differently, but maybe a bit of overthinking domestically where mm-hmm. we had um, playing I don't know Ross County for example this this earlier this this year as an example I always use where Michael Beal said. Yeah, they're going to play two forwards, so we need to have um, two defensive midfielders. And I'm thinking against Ross County, like no, no disrespect, but they've never beat us. Like, and 
So those things, I think, are, are, are ways that we maybe overthink and are a little bit more cautious. It doesn't seem like he's like that. His flexibility, it sounds like, um, will come from, I guess, the players that he's got available. So um, to put it into context, Todd Cantwell is going to play a completely different way to Rabi Matondo if they're on the left-hand side of the park. Um, same with the fullbacks. Tavernier plays differently to Sterling. Barisic plays differently to Yilmaz. So I think what he, from what I understand, it's maybe less about sort of tinkering to deal with the opposition and more about the types of players that he thinks we should play in that game to to win. So thinking about us first, um, playing attacking football, high pressing football, um, is is what we're going to see in terms of formation. If you were to sort of hold a gun in my head on it just now, I think we'll probably see kind of four two three one. Um, there, whether it is two wingers on the sides or whether, like I said, it is just one and, and one, um, then I'm not sure. But I think that's probably what we'll see to, to start with. But as I said, we're literally just guessing because this is a completely yeah. different challenge, completely different challenge for him again. Um, it's not, he will have learned. He said that himself. He will have learned from bad experiences at Monaco and, and good experiences at Bruges. He'll apply things that he's learned in his career, um, different players that he has. He'll, he'll play in different ways. So I'm really, really interested to see what. What he does, but I think from what he said, we're certainly going to be promised um, attacking football, or that is what he's promised: attacking football, high energy, high pressing, um, which I think is what we're all after. Absolutely, I could, I, I really hope so, mate. I honestly, because if, if I see, um, if I see Celtic coming to Ibrox again and we sit off them this t- again this season, I can't, I, 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 you can't do that. You literally can't do it. Still, still don't understand why it happened. But I'm not. I'm, I kind of get where you're coming from. Generally, I do. I thought I would be lost with the stuff that you were talking about t- tonight, mate, because um, of your levels above me, as I say, when it comes to tactical stuff. But I, I do understand that, and I think Campbell's going to be critical, mate. We have to get Campbell back in that number ten role. We'd, yep. we'd seen where he was. We'd seen what he was, what he was, what he was doing, what he was building, what the, the performance levels he was getting. And all of a sudden, Bill changed him and started playing him as an eight. I think is that, is that right? An eight or maybe yep. a six? Is that an eight? An eight. Yeah, an eight. <laughs> But he's saying he's covering like Tav, and I'm going, why is Cantwell covering Tav? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's the best number ten we have at the football team, and I think that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm probably not expecting too much of Clement, but I'm probably putting words into his mouth to an extent where I think he'll know himself. He's a player, like so. I need to get him. In his most natural position, he's going to be probably the top performer that we'll have at the club for the season. If he stays in the form, of course, I know all, there's all, all that thing comes comes with it. But to me, he's critical for us. He really is critical. Um, and I'd say when we were seeing him covering for Tav and things like that going forward, I was going, this is just, it's a car crash waiting to happen. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to it, mate. I think you're right. I think it's going to be very interesting to see once he finally, fully analyses the squad. I think a four-two-three-one's probably a, a good place to start, considering it kind of matches the players that we have available within the squad right now. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that. So also, like you said earlier on, I think Bill and maybe to, to an extent sometimes Van Bronckhorst sort of overcomplicated things a little bit and, and yeah. changed things a little bit too much. A four-two-three-one is is very basic. Like mm-hmm. nowadays, um, there's obviously so many more different. Um, more complicated formations that you get now whether you've got the ball or you don't have the ball things change quite a bit but four defenders two central midfielders one that can sit and one that can go um, a number 10 two wingers and a, and a forward um, probably does scan quite well um, what I think would be interesting though Scott is the Monaco had a, a player um, Golovin who um, is a right footed left midfielder not a winger or anything, but like a right-footed left midfielder. And he said he got a lot of success there with him sort of drifting in off the 
off the flank and, and sort of coming in to create and link up with the forwards, etc. But on that right-hand side, they had a pure winger um, in, in Diata. So it'd be interesting to see what what he does there because if he's sort of coming in with a really, really, not a strict, but like a clear idea of the formation he wants to play and, and the style of play, we don't really have a right winger. We've not we've not played wingers for, for a long time, but we've never really had a, a right winger playing consistently since Daniel Candace. So um what I was thinking would be a bit of a, a bit of a statement of intent and it might not happen. Um, but it would if it did happen, it would sort of give you an idea was if we had Seema coming off that left hand side. Um he's he's cut in a couple of times against uh, PSV and Livingston, wasn't it? Cuts in and mm-hmm. and scores that goal off off the left hand side with his right foot. Cantwell in the ten, and then Ross McCausland playing wide right. That I don't know how likely it is to happen, um, injuries etc. But do you know that way that would be like an intent of I've got a clear idea of the roles that I want in this team, and he is the only right winger that, that I've got, um, or the only player capable of playing with pace that I've got on that side. Um, that would be quite interesting to me, um, I think, and that's a big thing I think about Clement as well. I asked this question on one of the podcasts when they said, "Oh, he brings through lots of lots of young players and stuff," and I was like, "Well." No disrespect, but Belgium is probably one of the top factories for young players in the world now and has been for 15 years. In Monaco, that's pretty much what they're all about. They, they, yeah. they bring players through. I said, so was it just a case of I'm bringing them through because I've got 15 guys sitting there who are ready to play in, in the league? Or was it actively, hang on a minute, I've got a, an older player who isn't really playing very well and I'm going to bring a younger player in who maybe will be a wee bit inconsistent, but I'm going to trust them and I'm going to play them. Um, and the vague answer that came back was a little bit of both. Um, so that would be interesting because we, we do have a few sitting there. I mean, Lovelace, uh, Bailey Rice, Leon yeah. King, Alex Lowry are probably the four that, that get spoken about quite a bit. Obviously, Lowry's out on loan, but McCausland seems to be next in terms of getting minutes, etc. So it would be interesting. And I think that would um, not buy him time. That's a bit harsh, but I think it would <laughs> it would buy him time before he's even had a game. But um, it would <laughs> get the fans on side a little bit of, well, I'm coming in, I'm going to change things, kind of inferring that some of the players that are leaving in the summer, we probably won't renew their contracts because guys like Bailey Rice and uh, McCausland and, and Lovelace are, are going to be getting minutes, if not ahead of them, then certainly sometimes in, in place of them. Um, so that, I think, could be a statement to do. Everybody wants to see more young Scottish players in the team. It's just really, really difficult at Rangers. Um, and there's not a case, to be honest, Maybe in the last few years, it's different with Patterson and, and Gilmore, etc. But there's not a huge, um, there's not a huge body of evidence here that says Rangers were wrong not to play some of these Scottish players because not many of them go in and have massively successful careers. So um, there's a wee bit of chicken and egg there, I guess, in terms of if we play them, then they can obviously improve within the team. So that would be interesting. That's something I would I would like to see. Um, but that's a kind of longer term thing, and it's got how many managers are going to come in and say. I'm going to play this group of four or five younger players and I'm going to give them a season when a manager could could lose three games in a row and, and be out the door um, in a couple he, of weeks. It's always he, a balance act. Uh, he would be brave. <laughs> I think he would be very brave to come in and to start that straight out of the bat, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to it either, mate. I mm-hmm. think, look... I'm sick of this managerial stuff now. I think no matter what happens going forward, and even if the results don't go, and the league's already, if the league's already gone this season, if that becomes the the way of it, we can't just give up. We're, we're going to have to stick with him, especially more so if we can see what he's trying to do. That's the if thing. Can, yeah, if we can see what he's trying to do, then okay, it's not your team. Let's give you a couple of windows to get your team 
and then we'll take it from there. I, I would I would fully expect him to be here for at least two years. I really would because I just I don't want to go through another managerial change. I really don't. And it might and I think he's quite honest as well the way he said it. Look, it's not always going to go right. Things are going to go wrong, and they probably will. Yeah, but we are so unbelievably impatient, myself included. By the way, I'm yep. not even I, people always think I'm criticising. I'm exactly the same. I get I get very frustrated, but as long as I can see what he's trying to do, and I'm very much for him, given especially players like Rice because I think he's a fantastic talent, I really do and he looks, every time I've seen him, I'm like, he looks ready man, he just looks yeah. ready to, to, make, to make more first team appearances than what he's been getting and he yeah. can be a real, a real impact and the kind of freshness that we need but that's where I prefer to see Rice and Lundstrom do they, is that the same position before you shout yeah. at me? Yeah. Yes, right So, but you know what I mean, I would much yeah. rather see Rice than see Lundstrom, do you not agree with the same? Absolutely. Absolutely, I think that, to me, I don't even know if that's a risk to be honest because any time I've seen Bill Rice I've been he's solid um, just for, for the only risk, I guess, is sixteen years of old, sixteen years of age, mentally sort of burn out, moving to men's football, all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, to me, um, Raskin and Rice in there in that sort of central midfield um, would be something I would be quite keen to see. It's got a um, good rhyme to it as well, isn't it? it sounds good. No, I was like a thought or something, but um, <laughs> it would be, it would be, that would just be something, just something that we can say, right, okay, and we're going to give Bailey Rice a bit of time. Like we said, it might not be every single game, but even just coming on for the last half hour or something every other week and just to, to see him to come in, get some yeah. more experiences, etc. I think that's all we're looking for. Um, so you're right, we need to see a plan. I think the, the thing with, with Gerard, and this sometimes gets lost a little bit because we were obviously building back up in those first two years that he got, um, I don't want to say expectations were low, but as soon as we won the league, the expectation was right. We're going to win that. If, we need to win that every year. Um, he maybe didn't quite have that same level of expectation in, in the first season. Certainly, maybe he did in the, in the second season. But you could sort of see his working towards something. I think was was key there, and one of the big things that he did, which probably got him a bit of of Levy, was more often than not he beat Celtic. Um, maybe not in the League Cup final um, or a couple of the, the kind of early games or or I think the, the game at Ibrox 2019 is seared in my memory um, in terms of a, a bad Gerard performance but he gave he gave us big moments against Celtic in, in some big games and I think that always helps um, Michael Beale didn't manage to win a big game um, at all and I think like you said when you combine that with poor performances and you combine it with no plan in terms of fans there's a plan obviously but fans can't really see where it's going and we can't really see what we're we're trying to build towards I think that's when it becomes really difficult so 100% um, I think Clement Clement needs to um, needs to be given lots of time um, but ultimately it comes down to winning winning games and winning big games and, and these fine margins as well so if he can do do enough of those to almost give himself that extra time then I think um, I think well, fans will be Fans will be okay with that. Definitely. I could not agree more. Uh, quickly before I let you go, what's your score prediction for Saturday? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, because, like I said, I can't even... I, I think you don't I've, even I've, guess, couldn't even guess the team, could you, really? I think I pretty much guessed the team there in in my head, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of different possibilities. Um, he's only had a few days in the door. It's very unlikely, he said himself, to get his, his sort of message across, but he'll have, he'll have been able to get the key things in there. We're not even sure if Campbell and Danilo are training. We're going to assume slash hope that they'll play some some minutes. I think they'll be really, really important to the manager going forward. So um, I'm going to err on the side of uh, positivity and I'm going to say that we'll, we'll see a, a 3-0 for, for Rangers. 
Thanks for having me. Um, I'll do mine tomorrow night with the lads on the uh, when we do club live. But yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. But I, uh, there'll be a lot of people expecting a completely different team on Saturday. It won't be. Yeah. It will be there'll be a lot of similarities there. But all we are hoping for is we see better structure, better composure, a better belief back in the team just over that wee spell. Even if it is part of the new bounce, just it would be nice to have the fans feeling a wee spring in their step as they look back on Saturday. I think it's it's not necessarily a tactical thing as well, but I think the mentality piece is the big thing. We've had players in there that have suffered lots and lots of damaging uh, damaging losses um, and in key moments have, have not been up to the mark mentally and that's that's just a fact so whether it's those players or whether the manager identifies some players there and says you're not what I'm looking for going forward those are the things I'm kind of intrigued about um, as well like is he going to go in the dressing room is there going to be some players he thinks no I'm not you're not for me um, or is there going to be some players that he instills a different mentality in and they become these winners, because for me, the big issues that we've had is, is that mentality um, and that sort of aggression, um, I guess, as characters, but also in our play um, and then the, the attacking intent. So if we can get to it, those two going quite quickly, then I think we'll be we'll be looking okay. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, the changes all of a sudden, like, looking forward to going to Ibrox, and now I am looking forward to going to Ibrox. Um, Adam, for tonight, mate, thank you for coming on and joining me, and I'm sure it won't be the last time, mate, but I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. No, no worries. Happy to come on whenever. Yeah. Uh, Magic, obviously, you know what Adam is. He's got heart and hand. He's saved. He does a lot of tactical scouting stuff as well. Pods are generally very interesting and he gets to speak to different people from different worlds of football as well, which is always good to hear. So, um, yeah, Adam, that's Magic. So, we'll be back tomorrow with Club Live. Until then, we are Club at 22, the Rangers podcast. Cheers, everybody. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.